No one better to talk to than our good friend Trevor Match, who has been uh, hunkered down there in Bristol, Connecticut. Uh, he saw Trevor uh, doing the championship drive show three plus hours nonstop, did a fantastic job as usual. And I wanted Trevor to join us today since this is the hot button topic of the college football playoff chaos, as I like to, to say. Trev, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. You're, you're right, TC. Yeah, yesterday was, a it was a great day, but it was long. I started out on Sports Center at seven in the morning, Eastern time. Uh, and went all the way through to 11 o'clock at night, had a three and a half hour show to finish the, uh, finish the day. And it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and there was so much to talk about. I really appreciate you taking the time and joining us, uh, my friend, like you do each and every week, but I definitely wanted to get your, your take, you know, on this. And I guess, you know, when we talk about the committee, Trevor, I mean, everybody can be critical of this and, and I get it that, you weigh conference championship, strength of schedule, head-to-head, comparative outcome, and then key players available at the end of the season. But I think here's where the problem is, or a lot of people don't understand, is that none of these factors in here are like one, two, three, four, five, A, B, C, D, E, right? They're supposed to consider all of these things. Let me ask you, when we have this situation... Where, and let's face it, we have more than four deserving teams. So it's going to be debatable. It's going to be chaos. It's going to be a nightmare. And, and, and that's good. But people are losing their mind because they see severe injustice here. What should be the major component to decipher all of this? Well, the four best teams as defined by those who earned it the most. And so it's, I don't think you can pick out one thing. You know, the committee says that uh, most deserving is not part of their lexicon. It's the four best teams. But then again, we play the games. And sometimes the better team loses, but they're still the better team. I mean, look at the playoff last year. You, uh, TCU beat Michigan in the playoff. And then TCU got obliterated by Georgia. Of course, last year, pretty much anybody would have had trouble with Georgia. Uh, in the championship game, but Michigan, I thought was clearly the better team from TCU, but TCU won the game. And so you don't say, yeah, well, Hey, forget the scoreboard. We, we plugged in all the strength of, uh, you know, win percentages and all the rest of it. And Michigan's still the better team. So we're going to advance them to play the championship game against Georgia. No. So there's a combination of those two things. And you're right that the problem for Florida state was that, there were four teams with a really good argument for the last two spots. Florida State's argument is is right. I mean, it's it's right that even when they lost their quarterback with two games to go, they still won the rivalry game at Florida with their backup quarterback, and then with their third string freshman quarterback when the backup got hurt against uh, Louisville in the ACC championship game, they won that game too. They figured out a way to do it. They did everything they were asked to do. Right. Great argument in favor of that. But Bama and Texas and Georgia also have great arguments. So the committee has to decide what they thought was the most important of the criteria to apply. And the one they chose was who's the best team. And they did that, I think, with Florida State. And I thought they used most deserving with Georgia. So they kind of split it on those two teams that ended up five and six. 
and, and when you talk about this criteria here, and you mentioned most deserving, that is something that, you know, that sounds more like what you hear from fans and other people like that, maybe media members, because really, there's really not a most deserving that we're supposed to really kind of consider. And the other thing we're not supposed to consider is there's never any mention about undefeated. Conference championship is up there. Strength of schedule's up there. Okay, head-to-head, comparative outcome, key players available in the season, but there's nothing mentioned about undefeated. And now, granted, you know, I'm not going to bring up, okay, the Liberties because they're undefeated and other teams that have been in non-power fives because obviously we always say, oh, they're deserving of a shot or give them a, sh- or give them a chance in, in a playoff format or whatever. But really, shouldn't we just throw out most deserving and undefeated doesn't necessarily mean that you are one of the four best teams right now, correct? Well, yeah, that's true. And, you know, that's Texas and Alabama's argument, even though they've got one loss. They would say that Florida State was undefeated. Alabama only had one loss on the season, but it was to number three, Texas. And Florida State didn't face a team that finished in the top ten. So they weren't exposed to a team that, at the end of all the season, ended up being counted as a top ten team. They didn't play one. Alabama played two of them. They lost one. They won one. You know, they beat Georgia. And so so that's what they would say. And when you come down to Florida State and best team, the committee does have it in the criteria to take into account injuries, but they can't project. They can't say, well, you know, they got a a young player taking over here, but we think down the road he'll be better, so we'll project. No, they've got to look at what the team is now. And the comp that's talked about most often is uh, 2014 Ohio State, JT Barrett was the starter. He was injured in the last game of the regular season against Michigan. So here comes Cardiel Jones to start in the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin. And Ohio, and the committee said, we're not going to downgrade Ohio State until we find out what they're like with Cardiel Jones at quarterback instead of JT Barrett. And so they watched and they saw Ohio State beat Wisconsin 59 to nothing in that game. It's a very small sample size. But they then decided, okay, well, Ohio State's still rolling with that guy at quarterback, so we're not going to downgrade him for the injury. They have two games, and again, another small sample size, to see what Florida State is like without their quarterback, Jordan Travis, who was injured by, in my opinion, a terrible cheap shot, um, you know, in the game before the Florida game. But anyway, they had two games to, uh, to evaluate it. And what they saw is that Florida State kind of became Iowa, elite defense, suspect offense. Florida had one of the, well, actually the worst passing defense in the SEC in terms of yards per pass attempt allowed. They were allowing like eight and a half yards per attempt. So here comes Florida State auditioning for the committee, much like Ohio State did in 2014, and the passing game didn't work for Florida State. Against that terrible passing defense of Florida, Florida State averaged like five and a half yards per attempt. They threw uh, for 136 yards, something like that. And that's it. They did win the game, but it didn't look like the same team as if Jordan Travis was the quarterback. Then, um, Tate Rodemaker, the backup goes down in that game. The, the, the third string guy, Brock Glenn, starts against Louisville. They win that game, but they couldn't throw at all. And as a matter of fact, their only offense came when they put a running back at quarterback in the Wildcat and they won, but, the committee looked at those two samples and said, okay, 
Sure, with three or four weeks of practice, the backup quarterbacks will be a lot better by the time we get to the playoff game, but we can't project that. All we can do is say what we saw when Florida played without their starting quarterback, and he's out for the rest of the year. And what they decided was that Florida State is no longer one of the best four teams in the nation, even though they finished the season undefeated. Now, is that the end-all, be-all? Nope, but that's their written criteria, and that's what they went with in a very difficult situation. I agree with you 100%. And just to add to your point, Florida State ended up with 55 passing yards in the ACC championship game. That is that that says everything right there. And again, key players available at the end of the season, in my opinion, they would be basically non-competitive against any of the top teams. And so therefore, they're not deserving. And like you said, they're not the same team now as before. Trevor Maz joins us, ESPN College Football. Trevor joins us, of course, weekly as well. Marco D'Angelo with us here on this Monday. Trevor, I agree with everything that you said, and I agree, I hate to admit, with most of the things that TC said, but my issue is Rodemeyer only had one game for the sample size. He would have been he would have been the quarterback come the playoff game. You know, the concussion, the cheap shot that he took and everything else. I don't know how off of one game, his first start, that they can just automatically say this offense is not going to work. He would have a month of first-string snaps, a game plan designed for what his strengths and weaknesses are. Everybody says football is a team sport. I just think there are 21 other players on those two starting lineups that got disserviced because of the injury to the quarterback. Marco, I think you're just saying that because you want to fade Florida State in the playoff. <laughs> exactly. That's why I, said that. That er- I said that earlier, Trevor. I said, I asked Marco, I said, do you think they would be, f- would you bet on Florida State in the playoff? And he wouldn't answer me. Uh-huh. He does. Uh, but see, the thing, the th- what you said, Marco, is absolutely fair. And the football people in the committee, you know, and there's, there's co- former coaches and, and people that are football people, they would be thinking that. The problem is the committee's criteria don't allow them to project what they think the team will be down the road based on those things. They have to see only go only by what they see right now. And so, you know, and I think you can, uh, you know, as, as fans, we can, we can project this. If, if you know, Florida State closely won the Florida game and Louisville game to finish the season to finish undefeated. But if they would have had Tate Rodemaker at quarterback the entire year, would they have beaten Clemson at in overtime? Would they have beaten Duke? Would they have? And the answer to those questions is probably not. They probably wouldn't have finished undefeated because Jordan Travis actually pulled them out of the fire a time or three, including, by the way, against Pitt, when his top three receivers were out and Travis was able to, to pull that game out for him. So, you know, there's a projection as well. Now look at Alabama's, um, Alabama's case. They will say that they're a, they're a one-loss SEC champ whose final data point was to beat Georgia, who the committee had for three consecutive weeks at number one, to show that right now, the way they're playing, Alabama is one of the best four teams in the country. And that's a compelling argument. If you look at Texas, then, you could say, okay, Texas, one-loss Big 12 champ. That one loss came to Oklahoma, who finished number 12 
in the final rankings from the committee. And it was in a rivalry game where Oklahoma scored with like 20 seconds to go. It was a close game. It's not like they got blown out in that game. But then they have a head-to-head win against the SEC champ Alabama in Tuscaloosa, right, which is a phenomenal win. And how do you put Alabama in and not put Texas in? So it's kind of a package deal with those two. If Alabama's in, then Texas has to go in ahead of them because they won head-to-head. And the part of the problem for Florida State and Georgia is they got boxed out by that package deal. Alabama beat Georgia. You can't put Georgia ahead of Alabama now. Texas beat Alabama and with the same record in the conference championship. Alabama's in, Texas is in. And that boxes out Florida State and Georgia. So, Trevor, let, let me make this argument, all right? And tell me what you think about this, because no one is saying this. Everyone in Michigan, Washington, they're untouchable, one and two, 13-0 conference champions. Okay, I get that. But what if I made the argument that if we're going to say the four best teams right now, who are the four best teams? For me, it's Michigan, it's Texas, it's Alabama, and it's Georgia. Remember, we weren't giving Washington a whole bunch of credit coming into that Oregon game. Matter of fact, no one thought they were going to win the game. You know, they were 10 point underdogs and they were suspect to begin with, you know, coming out of the Pac 12. They had some ugly wins against Arizona State and Stanford and Washington State. They beat Oregon twice. That, that, that's great. But how convinced are we that Washington is really one of the four best? What would be wrong if I said, I want Michigan, Texas, Alabama, and Georgia because I fear those teams the most? That's the, that's a fair argument to make. I mean, Washington at times during the season, their offense disappeared and other times their defense disappeared. They, they pulled it out every time and they beat Oregon twice, but look at how they beat Oregon. I mean, in the regular season up in Seattle, uh, they are up near Seattle. They, you know, the Oregon outgained Washington. They actually outplayed Washington. That game came down to three plays for Oregon's offense, fourth and three, three times. Had Oregon converted any one of those fourth and threes, they probably would have beat Washington in the regular season. But Washington's defense won all three of those situational football. Washington did what they had to do in the critical moments and won the game. And then in the Pac-12 championship game, Washington did the same thing. I mean, Washington ran 78 plays to 54 from Oregon, and yet Washington only won that game by three points. Now, how did that happen? Well, in, in key moments, like on third down, Washington was dominant. We're dominant otherwise, but they were dominant on third down. Oregon converted three of 10 third downs. Washington competed 10 of 15. So Oregon couldn't stay on the field and, and Oregon couldn't get Washington off the field on third downs. And that was the difference in the Pac-12 championship game. It's not like Washington was just, just overtly dominant in that game. Of course, you could ask the question, well, who was overtly dominant? Alabama, you know, needed a miracle to beat, um, Auburn, right? And, you know, you can, you can just go right down the list. But at the same time, Washington, if you want best teams, I think Georgia probably would be considered a better team than Washington. Let me ask you this, Marco. I mean, what do you think? Who would be favored if Washington and Georgia were to face each other in a, uh, a uh, neutral field uh, right now? Oh, absolutely. Georgia would be a favorite. There's no question about it. Yeah. 
So, so, so TC, you make a good point. Yeah. I mean, you make a really good point. This is where that other component comes in. We want the four best teams, but you also got to take care of business and Washington took care of business. I think the key thing that you said of, of everything, Trevor, is once the, once Alabama won the SEC, the committee had to get them in. And as you said, it was a package deal because they couldn't put them in and leave Texas out. And I posed the question in the first segment to TC. I said, again, play hypothetical. If Georgia would have beat Alabama, do you think Texas would have still leapfrogged Florida State? If Georgia would have beat Alabama, then Georgia would be in instead of Alabama. And I, I, my, no, I think, I think Florida State, well, yes, I think it would have. Because the difference, the, the thing that bounced Florida State to begin with remains mm-hmm. that they, the committee felt that Florida State is a different team without Jordan Travis at quarterback and not one of the four best. I mean, right now, as constituted with their backup quarterback in with a month of, of work, let's just give them that. Marco, who would be favored, Texas or Florida State? Texas would be a favorite. Yeah, so and so a, I think the field goal on a neutral site. Yeah, see, I think I think the committee would agree with that, and I think they would put uh, Texas in on that basis. Trevor, let me ask you: How much credence do you put into having an O at the end, an undefeated team, or you know, comparison to a Alabama or Texas or whoever who has one loss, and especially if that one loss is against a top five team? Well, it's big. I mean, you talk to coaches and they'll tell you how hard it is to win one game, let alone every single one of them. Because college kids, Lou Holtz is famous for saying that you never know who you're going to get on a given Saturday. You know, maybe he had a fight with his girlfriend on Friday and, and all of a sudden he's a different player on Saturday and the coach had no idea, right? And so there's all kinds of ups and downs. And, um, but from a standpoint of, of winning them all in a Power Five conference, you know, and non-conference, for goodness sake, they beat uh, Florida State beat LSU. And so that's good. Um, but this is all with Jordan Travis, at quarterback. But that zero on the end of it is a very, very big deal. But it's not as high a bar to clear as head-to-head or conference champion versus non-conference champion. Non-conference champions have to be unequivocally better than a conference champion in order to get it over the conference champion and unequivocally better, not just a little bit better. And head-to-head, in my opinion, should be the biggest bar of all, everything else being equal, as they kind of are with Texas and Alabama. So the the idea of having an undefeated season is important, but it's not insurmountable in any way. All right, let me leave you with this, Trevor. Uh, it's a two-part question. When you look at these four that are going to be in the college football playoff, which team do you fear – the most, which team do you fear the least if you're an opponent here? The team I fear the least, strangely enough, is Michigan. Wow. I worry about their offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not been great the last few weeks. The quarterback play hasn't been great. I think they're, uh, they're 74th in the nation in yards per carry uh, in their running game. You know, they've played some good defenses, but some pretty bad ones, too, and their offense hasn't been really as dominant as it should be uh, on the ground. And against Iowa, Michigan scored two touchdowns on offense. One was a five-yard drive because a punt return gave their offense the ball on the five-yard line. 
The other was a six-yard drive because their defense got them a fumble on the six-yard line. Other than that, Michigan moved the ball some against Iowa, but they bogged down and kicked field goals. The only two touchdowns they scored were on a five-yard drive and a six-yard drive. And, you know, they've got to face Alabama in the Rose Bowl in the first playoff game. And do you really think Iowa's defense is that much better than Alabama's defense? Right? And so I worry that Michigan's offense is really good when they're physically bullying in, uh, physically inferior defenders. And when it's a fair fight, I think it's a bit more of a struggle for them. The one I, the one I feel the most, uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm torn between Texas and Alabama, but I think Texas is the one I'd choose because, you know, their defense is phenomenal, especially up front. Texas will make you one dimensional uh, and force you to throw the ball. And then Texas leads the Big 12 in sacks. So, you know, that's, that's not a good situation either. And then you've got experience at quarterback, as good a, a group of skill players between wide receivers, tight ends, running backs as there are in the country, you know, right up there kind of butted up against Washington, but with more balance than Washington and more potential um, disruption factor on both sides of the ball in terms of playmakers on offense and defense. I think Texas is the one I'd want to play the least. Trev, appreciate the time as always. Fantastic job again, as you always do on the television side, and appreciate you as well. Get some rest, my friend, and we'll talk to you later in the week. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks. All right, he is the best. Trevor Maddich.